Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Rimrock Church. I'm Dave Westergaard. I'm going to be bringing the word to you guys this morning. So thank you again, Tom, and your team. They deserve just a round of applause. They always do just an amazing job in preparing for Sunday morning. There's more than just showing up and, and starting to play. So thank you for, for that team and, and all of our teams uh, at Rimrock Church here. Um, Hope uh, everybody is enjoying this taste of spring. We're a week out from Easter. Uh, we got to anticipate the snowstorm coming up, right? It's, it's, not, it's not June yet. Sorry, honey. My wife is not a big fan of snow, but you know the weather in the Black Hills. So, But um, speaking of weather, um, we had a trip planned a number of years ago to Florida. Uh, an awesome time as a family to, uh, to go down to... Uh, uh, flying to Tampa, and then we drove over to uh, uh, part of a peninsula to, uh, to see Winter the Dolphin. This was an awesome trip uh, that we had planned. My wife is an amazing planner. Uh, she, is, she is not a travel agent. She has, has kind of taught herself that trade, though, and, and she really digs into planning for the trip. I made my own plans. Uh, you know, I was told to show up. You know, I had to pack my own life, and, and I was told to show up. But I do show up with my own plans. I think we all do. I showed up with a plan that, you know, I just wanted my family to have an enjoyable time away. I, I wanted us to, to just get away from life as, as we know it here in Rapid City, whether it be work or school or whatever it may be. And I just wanted us to get away and just enjoy a sweet time together as a family. And I think we were on the ground maybe about eight hours, and, and we had just gone to, to uh, see winter, which was an awesome, awesome time. On our way back to the car, I could feel my plans that I had kind of going up in smoke. You know, the, the, the hope that I had of, of just everyone just enjoying themselves and, and just being so thankful for mom and dad for, for the amazing sacrifice, right? You know, they were just, I anticipated they would just be so thankful. They weren't thankful as much as what I had anticipated. And, and I'll be honest with you, when my plan started to come unwound, the degree of frustration started to go up. As my plans disintegrated, the degree of frustration rose. And, and I said some things in frustration, I think something to the effect of, we can just get on an airplane right now and fly right back home, if that's your attitude. And this was a lot of years ago. My kids are much more mature now, right? You know, this is a lot of years ago. But when our plans, guys, in life fail to materialize, when our expectations of how we feel life should go don't go the way we had planned, we get frustrated, don't we? You know, I think about we make our plans and when they don't come through, our hope and the way we hoped, we become disappointed in those. Today, we're going to take a look at the lives, a brief glimpse in the lives of two of Jesus' disciples. All right? These two disciples are not some of the 11th. All right? These are two unknown disciples of Jesus. They were followers. They had been following Jesus for quite some time. And these two followers had expectations. They had expectations in their life. They had expectations of who they believed their Messiah to be. All right? They had expectations of the fact that Jesus would come as what's called the conquering Messiah. They had expectations and plans that Jesus would restore the kingdom of Israel back to its luster that it had been under the, under the reign of King David. 
Their hope of the abundant life that Jesus talked about was based upon their idea that, would, that Jesus would bring them freedom from the Roman conquerors and that he would bring them prosperity. And guess what? Jesus, coming back into Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, comes into celebrations, right? He comes in on the, on the back of a donkey colt to the cheers and adorations of thousands. So from these guys' perspective, from these disciples' perspective, things are going pretty well. Things are going pretty well throughout most of the week. Then comes Friday. Then comes Friday, right? Jesus is arrested in the garden. He's beaten. He's tortured. And eventually he hangs lifeless and cold on a Roman cross, all right? These guys' expectations of who their Messiah was are starting to go up in smoke, all right? And they become frustrated. They become distraught over the fact that Jesus isn't who they believed him to be. You know, we gathered a week ago at Rapid City Stevens in the gymnasium to celebrate what we call Easter, all right? We celebrated uh, Jesus' resurrection on the third day, all right? It's a time in our faith that's extremely important, and today we're going to pick up, though we're a week out, we're going to pick up on that third day, later that Sunday, all right? But before we go too much further and we open up our Bibles to God's Word, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your amazing grace, your provision, your plan for our life. May we today, Father God, have hearts that are open, ready, and willing to receive what you have for us. Cast aside, Father God. The, the things that are distracting us right now. And I pray in your holy and precious name, Father God, that you be glorified through our time together today. In your son's precious name, amen. So it's early on Sunday morning, all right? The women had prepared spices. They were going to the tomb where Jesus was buried, and they were going to anoint his body with those spices. When they got there, as we all know the story, the stone had been rolled away. They walked in... And soon they were greeted by two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning. And they shared with them, guess what? Jesus is not here. Jesus is not in the tomb. He's risen. Right? We know that story. And he, they began to share all the things that Jesus had told them before. These two men reminded these women of what Jesus had said about his death and resurrection on the third day. They left the tomb, the women, and they went back to the 11, and they shared this news with them. Luke 24, 11 tells us they did not believe the women, though. The other 11 did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. But nevertheless, Peter got up. He ran to the tomb. He bent down. He looked at the clothes that they had wrapped Jesus in, the strips of linen. There was nothing there. But he went away, according to Scripture, he went away wondering. Wondering about what? I'm not sure. Now we pick up today in verse 13. This is where we're going to be hanging out today. Luke 24, beginning with verse 13. And we're just going to be hanging out here in Luke. We're not going to vary. We're not going to be jumping around to different uh, chapters. We're not going to be hanging out. We're going to be hanging out right here in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Now that same day, again Sunday, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, 
about seven miles from Jerusalem. Again, these two disciples were not part of the famous eleven. We're told the name of one. His name's Cleopas. Many writers believe that Cleopas was the brother of Joseph, who was married to Mary. All right? So Jesus' earthly uncle. But we don't know that for certain. The other individual, the other disciple, remains anonymous. We don't know his name. They were headed home. They were from a community called Emmaus, which is about seven miles west of Jerusalem. They were headed home from the Passover. And after a heart-wrenching, eventful six days, these guys were disappointed. They were sad. As they walked on their way home, probably around mid-afternoon on Sunday, they were rehashing the events. They were talking through what had happened this weekend related to Jesus' arrest and his crucifixion. Verse 14 says, They were talking with each other about everything that happened. When you look at the original text, this version of talking was they were bantering ideas back and forth with great emotion. All right? They were searching for answers on what had happened. They were throwing out ideas back and forth, trying to determine, you know, what exactly is going on. And in that process, as they walked, as they bantered those ideas back and forth, verse 15 tells us Jesus came up and walked along with them. But he kept them from recognizing him. All right, keep that in mind. They kept him from recognizing him. And, and was, what's amazing here, guys, for the first time since the glory of Jesus' resurrection, he chooses to interact with two unknowns. He chooses to interact with two individuals that were not part of those that we read about in Scripture. These were two unknown individuals. You know, I think about this, that, that may seem random. I don't think it's random at all. What does Jesus do that's random? I don't think he does anything randomly. I don't think he does anything arbitrarily. I think Jesus has an absolute plan for everything he does, and I believe he has an absolute plan on why he revealed himself to these two individuals. I think it lends credibility to his resurrection. I believe it lends credibility to the fact that he revealed himself to two individuals that were not well-known. These weren't some of the famous ones. And, and keep in mind, the book of Luke is an eyewitness account, right, to what was going on. I believe it lends credibility that Jesus reveals himself to two unknowns. And I, the fact that he kept himself from being recognized also is amazing here, guys. I believe Jesus wanted to hear the hearts of these individuals. You know, could you imagine if he revealed himself to them in this moment? You know, they were obviously quite distraught. Could you imagine their joy that they are going to experience in this moment in, in what was going on in their life? He will reveal himself later. We'll get to that. But he chooses not to right now. I believe Jesus still had some things to lay the foundation on in these two individuals' faith. I believe he still had work to do in their life. I believe he still had work to do in building up their trust in Jesus and his true character. All right? And I believe he also wanted to hear their hearts. He wanted to know what they were talking about. And he asked them that in verse 17. Jesus asked them, so what are you talking about? 
You know, think about this. Jesus, God in human form, he knew what they were talking about, but he wanted to hear from them. He wanted to hear their hearts. And in response to that question, they stopped. Their faces were downcast, which means they were sad. And they answered that question, specifically Cleopas answers that question with another question. Verse 18 says, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? You know, guys, given his audience, this question was quite laughable. You know, we have the ability now, as, as really a third party to this story, to look at it and say, oh my gosh, you have no clue who you're talking about. Jesus, he was kind of in the middle of things this whole weekend. This was kind of his weekend. And they're asking him, do you not know what happened? Are you, a, are you the only visitor here that has no clue what was going on? And, and Jesus responds, and I love his sense of humor. He responds with, what things? What things are you talking about? Jesus wants to hear their hearts. Jesus wants them to open up and share what's going on in their life. All right? That's why he, he, he just he, he keeps his identity quiet. That's why he's opening things up with, with open-ended questions. And I think, obviously, if anyone knew what was going on this weekend, it was Jesus. But with that, he doesn't chastise these guys. He doesn't humiliate them. He wants them to open their hearts. When things don't go well with your plans, when your plans start to evaporate in midair, when they start to go up in smoke, what do you do with your emotions? What happens in that situation? Do you believe you have the freedom to come to God and open up? Do you believe as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ that he cares about where you're at? I hope you do. I hope you do. He cares about you as an individual. He wants to hear your heart. And guess what? He's ready for your honesty. He desires your honesty. He knows full well where you're at. You're not going to surprise him with something. But he wants to hear from you. We do that through prayer. We do that through communion with our Heavenly Father. He desires that we open up when things aren't going well in our life when our plans that we have made just didn't come true, didn't come through, excuse me. And they responded to Jesus. They responded to the, the question of what things with a real uh, layout of the facts of what happened. Verses 20 and 21 then reveal why they were so sad. All right? The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But, but they transitioned. But we had hoped that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. That's why they're sad. That's why they're distraught. They had plans in their mind of who they believed their Messiah was going to be. They had plans and expectations that Jesus would come back, or their Messiah would come back as a conquering Messiah, as a, as a Messiah that would kick out the Roman individuals that were taken over Israel. They were anticipating a Messiah that would redeem the social, the economic, the political climate of Israel back to the day it was under King David. That was their hope. That's what we had hoped for. But guess what? That didn't happen. And they were sad about that. They were distraught 
over the fact that their expectations were banished. And they were frustrated over that. You know, these guys had the revelation of Scripture. They had the teaching of the prophets from the Old Testament. They had Jesus' own words. They had spent probably three years with Jesus in his earthly ministry. They had his own words in saying, guess what, guys? I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to get killed. But guess what? On the third day, I will be alive. They had that word, but yet they still doubted. Yet they still hung on to their expectations of what they believed Jesus was going to do in their lives and the lives of the whole Jewish nation. Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do. There's no question there. But the expectations, the plans that these guys had really clouded their vision in regards to that expectation. Cleopas continues, And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place, and in addition, some of our women, they amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they didn't see Jesus. They had the facts of what was going on. They had the facts, but they didn't believe those facts. They held so tightly onto their vision that they couldn't see beyond that. They couldn't see beyond that tunnel. And, and, and guess what, guys? Here, I'm not blaming them. I'm not blaming them because guess what? Every single one of us gets tunnel vision at times on our plans and what we want to come true, how we believe Jesus is going to, uh, going to come through in our life. And when that doesn't happen, we get frustrated. I think about it in my life. Mother's Day 2008 was a day that changed my life dramatically. I had plans in my mind of, 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 of the life that I had mapped out, of, of being a husband to Wendy and a, and a dad to Shelby, Alex, and Noah, and a friend and a follower of Jesus Christ, an employee. I had, I had my life pretty well mapped out, and things were going okay. Mother's Day 2008, I drove a UTV off of a cliff. All right? In that process, I had fractured two vertebrae, which pinched off my spinal cord, and I was paralyzed from my waist down. I was told later that day in the emergency room from the uh, neurological um, neurosurgeon uh, that uh, I'd have a, maybe a 30% chance I'd ever walk again and a 0% chance I'd ever walk without some type of assistive device. My plans that I had placed were starting to go up in smoke. All right? God's plans for my life were coming together in perfect order. God, through that time, showed me his goodness. God, through that time, showed me his mercy. God, through that time, showed me his provision. He instilled in me a trust that I'm not sure I would have caught had I not run off the cliff. That trust, guys, is not something that always happens just through life. Some of us need a smack across the forehead with a two-by-four. That's kind of what I needed in the moment, 
All right? God knew exactly what I needed. And he knew exactly what he was doing in that minute. All right? God's plans for each of us are perfect. Perfectly timed for exactly where we are in life. But in those challenging times when our plans start to go up in smoke, we do get frustrated. There was times I was frustrated. There was times I cried out in anger. I was okay when I had family and friends around. I could put on a good face. But at night, when the lights would go dark, is when I went to battle with God. And I wondered why. Why would you do this? Why would you take away my ability to walk my daughter down the aisle someday? To play soccer with my boys or to go for a walk along the creek with them? All right? But guess what? God, in his amazing, loving way, revealed truth to me like I would have never learned before had I not been that receptive and candidly dependent upon him in that moment. God seems so far removed from our pain when our plans go up in smoke. But God's right there. Here we have an example of God in human form walking with these guys. I think that is a visual that I hope we hang on to. God walking right with them. In the midst of your challenging time, God is right with you too. He has never left you. He never will leave you. He will never desert you. He promises that. We may feel like we're on an island all by ourselves, but our feelings will deceive us at times. God is with you through those challenging times. Don't believe the lie that he's deserted you. He's not turned his back on you. Your circumstances may be clouding your vision in the moment, but the truth of the matter is God is right with you through those challenging times. And as he is laying out his plan for you, it is a so much greater plan than what we can even fathom. Here, these two disciples wanted Jesus to come back to restore the luster of Israel. All right? Jesus was coming back specifically for these disciples to equip them, to prepare them, and then to send them out to take his truth to the far reaches of the world. That's exciting. That's exciting. What's God's plan for you? What's God's plan for you in your life? Are you selling short by hanging out on your plan? Or are you trusting his broader purpose for you? Like the disciples, our expectations are so based upon our limited perspective. But I hope we hold loosely onto our plans so that we can grasp tightly onto God's plan and purpose for our life. And in verse 25, Jesus now begins revealing his truth. All right? He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus was starting to open their eyes to his truth. He was starting to reveal to them who he was and his true character. All right? He was preparing them to receive that. This is Jesus' continued teaching in their life. And as they went on along the way, and this was a seven-mile trek, it was not by car, this was by foot, as, as we all know, 
as they were progressing closer to Emmaus, it was getting dark. But they wanted to hear more. These two wanted to hear more, and, and they wanted to continue talking. Verse 28 says, As they approached the village to where they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Jesus didn't force himself into this situation. He wanted them to invite him in, which they did. And when they invited him in, he began the process of now opening their eyes. Verse 30 says, When he was at the table, he took bread, he gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. You know, guys, don't lose track of this. In their own home, Jesus acted as the host. Jesus took over. All right? And in that process, as he broke the bread... The text here says they recognized him. That term recognized, when we go back to the original text, it means that their eyes were completely open and they came to fully comprehend him. To fully comprehend who Jesus is. He was immediately lifted up at that point in time. Once they recognized him, once they understood who he was, Jesus left. Okay? All right? They had what they needed at that time in, under, in an understanding of who Jesus was. And now Jesus was moving on. All right? They had all that they needed to share the truth. They had all they needed in fully comprehending now Jesus' true character. And Jesus knew that. And can you imagine, though, in these, in these guys' lives, how excited they must have been? You know, we heard that he was going to rise again. Now they fully comprehended that. And now we've experienced it. We've experienced the fact that he has risen. In our lives today, have you experienced that? The risen Christ in your life. The power of of the risen Christ. It's an amazing power that, that, that we as believers can share in. That same power that rise Christ from the dead lives inside of each and every one of us if we've placed our faith in him. These two gentlemen experienced that in a dramatic way. And then they looked at each other in verse 32 and says, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we walked? while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us, they knew there was something different about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit was working in their life, preparing them to receive his truth in a very dramatic way. And what's amazing here, guys, they didn't resist the Holy Spirit. As they approached their home, they invited him in. They wanted to hear more. That was the work of the Holy Spirit working in their life. And immediately... Verse 33, they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. Guys, it's dark. People in this day didn't travel at dark. It was dangerous. There were robbers. There were wild animals. People typically didn't travel at night. But they went back to Jerusalem. Why? Because they wanted to share this. They had received this amazing revelation, and they wanted to share it with the eleven. They found them. 
assembled together, and they told him, guess what? It is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. They wanted to share this news with their friends. They wanted to share this truth of who Jesus was with those that they were closest with. Again, an amazing visual of sharing God's truth. We see in these two disciples the two sides of their emotions. We see their utter sadness when their expectations had not come through. And now we see their amazing joy in knowing that Jesus is who he said he is and is today. He is laying out his perfect plan for them in his perfect timing for them and for us. And think about our life. What are some of the plans, some of the expectations that you have in store for your life. To be honest with you, if, if you came to my office this afternoon, you would see a to-do list for tomorrow, Monday, uh, April 24th, multi-item to-do list, kind of got my day mapped out of how I wanted to approach tomorrow. You know, I save for retirements, put money away, hopefully for a rainy day. You know, I think planning, guys, in our world happens and I think much planning is a prudent thing to do, all right? But what happens, what happens when those plans don't come through the way we anticipate? What if those plans don't come through in a way that is quite painful? You know, if my multi-item to-do list for tomorrow doesn't happen, guess what? That's okay. That happens. It's a pretty minor thing, though. But what happens with my plans if something happens with my health or the health of one of my loved ones? What happens with my plans to grow old with my wife if we're taken away? What happens to my emotions when that happens? Do my emotions just go through the roof? Or do I recognize that, God, I guess what? You've got something greater in store for me. What are we doing with our plans and our expectations? Are we holding tightly to them? And our joy, our happiness is based upon the fulfillment of those plans? Or are we holding loosely to them, knowing full well that God has something in store for us, potentially beyond our expectations? I hope we're holding loosely onto them. I think we need to be careful if our joy is wrapped up in the fulfillment of our own plans. So many times they fall short of God's amazing plan for our life. God is ready and God is able to overwhelm you with his peace, okay? As we humbly ask him to accomplish his will in whatever manner he sees fit, in whatever timing he believes appropriate. We have peace in that. As we turn our agendas over to him, guess what he gives us? A peace in knowing the plans that I have for you are for good. Do you believe that? Do you believe his plans for you are for good? They may not always feel good. They may not always feel good. In fact, at times, they could be quite painful. 
They can be quite costly. But you know full well that his plans for you are for good. As we humbly ask him to accomplish his will in whatever manner he sees fit, in whatever time he deems appropriate. There's peace in that. As we grow in our trust in him, as we grow in our relationship with our Heavenly Father, I believe we will be able to recognize that he has never failed. Maybe things didn't come together as you'd hoped. Maybe things didn't happen the way you anticipated, but has God ever failed? The answer to that question is no. God has never failed. But maybe, just maybe, the plans you made for yourself are not his plans for you. But where are you going to place your trust? I don't want to place my trust in my own limited perspectives. I desire instead to turn over my agenda and humbly ask him, God, what do you have in store for me today? And be willing to accept that. You know, there's some, there's some scripture that I just want to leave you with today. Um, three verses in my life that I have held on to tightly through my challenges and just through life overall. First one is Psalm 37.4. Psalm 37.4. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight. Find great satisfaction, complete satisfaction in what God's doing. And guess what? Your desires now become his desires. His desires become your desires. They are one. The desires of your heart are God's desires as we find great satisfaction in him no matter what. The other one from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. He knows. He prepared them. He laid them out before you even showed up. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you what? A hope and a future. The last one, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those that love him. In all things, God works for the good of those that love him. Guys, these aren't just some billboard Bible passages that you see up as you drive along the road. And, and, and uh, these are Bible passages, guys, that we can hold on to as sturdy anchors when the waters of this world get turned up. Because they will. We can go around this room and share about the times that the waters of our world got turned up. They're tough. They're painful. They're gut-wrenching. What are you hanging on to? Hanging on to the truth found in God's Word and the truth found in the fact that our loving Heavenly Father's plans for you are perfect? Do you see that in His true character? Tom and the team was singing about a good, good father. Do you believe God is that good, good father for you? I hope so. He is. His plans are perfect for you right now in this moment. Surrendering our expectations to him take time. Maybe it doesn't happen overnight. For me, it was three months in the hospital and rehab. And then another four months of recovery after that that caused me to pause, to reflect, and to realize 
the amazing, loving character of our merciful, loving Heavenly Daddy who is providing things beyond my imagination. I encourage you. Tom, if you guys want to come back up. Let God work. Let God work in your life. Let him build up your trust in the fact that he is good and that his plans for you are good. He is that sturdy anchor. He is that sturdy anchor in your life. His plans for you are perfect, designed perfectly for you. Let's pray. Father God, we just uh, thank you that we can come to you. We thank you for the fact that we don't have to figure out these things in this earth by ourselves. You know where we're at. You know where our emotions are right now. You know the hurt that people are walking through in this moment. I pray, Father God, that as you did to these two disciples on the road to Emmaus, I pray that you just meet them right where they are, wrapping your loving, caring, merciful arms around them and whispering in their ear, I got you. I got you. Thank you, Father God, that you do.